Welcome to the Struggling Pastors Podcast, real conversations about ministry and life. My name is Tian Doan, and I am a struggling pastor. Today in this episode, uh, we are going to be talking to a friend of mine. His name is Mike Larson. He is a pastor in uh, the Los Angeles area at a church called uh, Encounter Christian Church. He's a good friend of mine. And in this episode, we talk about suffering. He, uh, Mike is working on, on a book. Uh, he just finished a manuscript called The Mystery of Suffering. And he talks about the book of Job. And, you know, the book is just full of, of uh, stories about people in his church that are, are suffering and how he's personally suffering, what God did uh, to, in his life during this process, what God taught him. And uh, he shares about having a panic attack. You know, just a, just real deep stuff. So um, we get we get real. And for those of you guys out there who are just having a tough time, you're carrying a lot of people's burdens and you feel the weight of ministry. Just want to let you know that that you're not alone. And so hopefully this this interview will encourage you. So let's listen to the interview I have with Pastor Mike Larson. Well, I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Struggling Pastors Podcast. Today, I have uh, a guest uh, on the show, a good friend of mine. It's uh, Pastor Mike Larson. He is the pastor of Encounter, is it, I don't know, is it Community Church? Christian what is it Church. called? Encounter Christian Church in the city of Bellflower, California, not too far from me. And uh, Mike and I, we've known each other for for a, a, a number of years, but if you um, if you spot the two of us um, walking down the street, you would see like totally like uh, uh, the odd couple. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we wouldn't we would people wouldn't think that we're friends, right? But uh, Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Theon. Good to, good to talk to you today. And yeah, if they saw us walking down the road, they'd probably arrest me and rescue you. They but, come up to me. Are you okay? So, are you okay? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, look at that guy, that Asian kid, that Asian dude is getting bothered by that big old, uh, <laughs> big white bald dude that looks like, um, looks like the, uh, uh, the big show. Yeah. Someone tell you that still, you look like the big show, right? I've had that said once. Yes. Yep. Just one. Yeah. Yeah. So, in, in, um, in a, yeah that's funny. <laughs> you, you remember that? The big was, show. You're the big show. I was in a, I was in a, uh, elevator and a little kid was just awestruck with his eyes wide open and his mouth drawn and that's what he said he goes big show <laughs> did you give him a uh did you give him a what a a choke slam <laughs> i didn't even know who big show was i'm not a wrestling fan i had to look it up <laughs> like, oh, yeah. wow. hey yeah. so this is this is called the struggling pastors podcast we you know and uh the tagline is real conversations about ministry and life and we, we're we're just yeah. chatting a little bit about uh catching up about this season just crazy and you were just sharing some just stuff that's been going on um you know at your church also in your heart so yeah. uh um just the question simple question how, how how have you been doing man well you know i came at it like pretty excited about it. you know i typically am known for uh liking change you know and being innovative and uh and, uh, but that the honeymoon kind of wore out fast on this one. Right. And, um, especially when people started getting infected and dying, the, yeah, you're talking uh, about COVID, uh, COVID like the changes yeah. and, and yeah. Yeah. We've had to shut down and go live stream and, um, you know, do all these different things where, where we are not a real techie church. We're very much a family church, family gathering church. And so we've just had to reinvent ourselves through this. And then, um, and then, the, yeah, just the constant changing um, of, of, uh, of how we're doing church, whether it's all live stream, and then we are able to come back when we went live, but we were, or we were in person, but we were outside, and then the weather came and we had to stop that. And, um, and then finally, we're back to all live stream again, because of the numbers of the people getting infected and dying are, are going crazy in LA County. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just been constant change and, um, you just don't feel like you're settled into anything, you know? And, um, and then the add to the fact that just preaching to a camera is, is brand new and weird. And 
<laughs> you know, um, yeah, I'm not that, I'm not that techie guy that, that, uh, that is real familiar with that. I'm very much more of a leading a family church, you know, a congregation and, and that's where I feel more comfortable, most comfortable. Yeah. So do you find it painful watching yourself on video? Oh, I never watch myself. I'm too critical. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's painful man it is painful yeah. yeah that's why like i i uh i'm the i edit my videos so i have, i have to i'm the one that has to do it. i'm like oh my goodness is this what yeah. people see <laughs> right yeah you were sharing you were saying that covid hit your church uh pretty hard it did <clears throat> it did um right after thanksgiving we were d- doing pretty well until up to thanksgiving and um and then just some real uh, prominent people in the church started getting infected and um, a lot of people were getting infected. And, and so that brought us into making decisions to not meet in person anymore. I mean, we didn't want to put anybody at risk. Um, and then there has been several people who got really, really sick, um, had to be in the hospital. Some were uh, ventilated and, and, um, and then we've also lost uh since since november i've done uh gosh five funerals and it was they either died with covid or and then two died from covid um the three died with covid they were they were elderly and um but they were hard like two of them were patriarchs in our church the last one um was a gentleman that was really the guy the point man that um I was meeting with when I received the call to come here to encounter. And he was, he was the guy, he was the patriarch. I mean, he was, uh, he was the one leading the, the advisory team that, that again, brought me up here and we became fast friends. And, um, he has been serving in this church for over 50 years, faithfully, all his kids are here. Um, matter of fact, every one of them are leading in some capacity at our church. Um, and, yeah, it was strange. He, 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 this guy was healthy and he, he was 78 years old. He owned his own, uh, lawn mowing business. He mowed, uh, 15 to 20 lawns a week. Um, he could run circles around most people I know. And, um, he got sick, violently sick, um, admitted into the hospital and 17 days later, he died alone because nobody yeah. was allowed to be in the hospital room with him, you know? And so, these, it was a real emotional loss for me and for this family and for our whole church. I feel like our entire church is mourning over this one. And, um, and so, yeah, we've decided even to like, Hey, let's move the church, the whole church into some type of grieving course or class or have somebody come in and, um, and help us, you know, because, um, and then if we go back from last November, um, I've, I've buried, I buried the first person I buried to COVID was in November of 2018 or sorry, 19. And, um, he was 38 years old, just got off a a cruise from Alaska and, uh, where there was a lot of people there internationally and, um, and he contracted COVID and he was dead four days later. And so it started last November for us. And, and then, uh, yeah, it just seems like death has just been, you know, all around us through this. So it's been really yeah. difficult. Yeah. And the hard part is what a lot of people don't understand, even church people or even even, you know, associate staff members don't understand just the the weight and the burden that that you being the senior pastor have to carry with that because you know, we we all have that, you know, that caretaker um, syndrome, right? That, that we're caring for others. We're bearing all these, um, burdens of other people. And, and that does something to our souls. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, you know, I'm just, I've never prayed for God. Just give me a break. Just don't let anybody die this week. (laughs) I've never prayed that, but I found myself praying that, that, you know, like Lord, just, just give this church some rest from, from death. And, and then praying for life giving situations, you know, like, um, just something to, to have some sense of positive and life. And, um, it's just the weirdest thing, how this whole thing has 
how it affects people and how it does change even your prayers. And yeah. uh, I never knew, you know, truly how to lament. And even, uh, you know, the Psalms really came alive for me through this. And uh, wow, in a, in a way that I've never read them before. And so yeah. it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey that I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quite it honestly. You yeah, know, like, it's uh, exhaustion. <laughs> and um, personally for myself, I've been in, I've been studying um, Isaiah 40 for, for months now, and I've been taking our church through it. And just, I don't want to leave it because it, it brings me so much comfort talking about mm. waiting on God, you know, God renewing our spirit and, you know, renewing our strength. And Yeah. yeah. You know, Mike, you're you're kind of like me in the sense that when when you're trying to deal with something, you're trying to figure things out. You you uh, get out a pen or you get out a typewriter, or, uh, not a typewriter, but you you start writing to to kind of yeah. gather your thoughts. And and you've written uh, books before, but you just finished a, uh, a a manuscript of a of a book called uh, what, what's it called? It's about uh, it's about suffering. Yeah, it's called the mystery. Talk about that. Yeah, it's called the mystery of suffering, and um, it was interesting uh, that two well two summers ago, God gave me a vision to take our church. Uh, it, it was just go deeper, you know, go deeper, and, um, and with the conviction that uh, we've grown pretty, pretty, pretty good in the last few years, and so I just wanted to take our congregation deeper in our faith, deeper in our walk with God, deeper in our trust, and and uh, deeper in our knowledge of scripture. And so out of that came um, the vision to, to uh, call the church to, to a deeper walk with Jesus. And so we created a sermon calendar for the entire year of 2019. And coming out of Easter, we were going to take the church through a four week series called The Mystery of Suffering. And we were gonna use the book of Job to help guide us through that. And so, but little did I know, that um, our first Easter service would be live streamed because of we were in a global pandemic, right? And and so we kind of him and hot around the fact, hey, should we do this? So, you know, you know, maybe we should change it up. And and uh, and we really were convicted. No, God gave this vision to us, so let's do it. And and so we took the church through through this four week series. And then we shared stories on top uh, on uh, before we before I preached of people in our church that were that suffering into entered in their life. And, um, and we asked them, you know, just uh, tell us about your story of suffering. And, and it was super impactful. Um, and had uh, it just really blessed the church. And uh, since the after that, it was uh, the elders that asked me, you know, like, hey, you should probably take this a little bit further and, and write a, a book on it. And um, <laughs> I, you know, I him hot around it. And I was like, okay, this might be good. And, and so they gave me, um, they gave me some time off from the pulpit. And I spent um, most of the summer writing it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a complete manuscript. Uh, Right now, um, I'm rewriting it a little bit because um, there's a story of Milton Carroll Gilman and, in there, and it talks about Carroll's cancer, multiple cancer diagnoses. And, um, and so the rewrite is, uh, which you don't have, to, um, is, is about Milt. Milt was the one who lost his life to COVID wow. in December. And so I'm kind of adding that in that too um as it unfolds uh right now so so yeah we yeah. uh yeah <clears throat> so, uh i appreciate you sending me the early manuscript to, to check it out and uh, I, I i i read through it and underlined a bunch of stuff and um man there was a couple of things that just really jumped out at me but i mm -hmm. i wanted to just kind of ask you some questions about you know like your like the story behind the story Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a couple things that came out, like, like you, you say that, um, suffering is an uncomfortable grace, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that suffering is a tool, um, like what, what has God 
been teaching you about about suffering, but also ministering to people who are suffering? Yeah, you, you know, if you think about it, um, you don't hardly remember, you know, a lot of the common or normal but days or even big victories, you know, if you look back on them, I mean, you might have, you know, uh, your wedding might be a good celebration that you remember and things like that. But, but you can definitely remember every time you've suffered. And, um, and so, and I mean, I think I've learned more through one mistakes or suffering that I have, um, uh, in any other time. Um, and so, cause they just stick, right. They just, it, it's just those big pivotal moments in your life that, that stopped everything and you were heading down one direction and then all of a sudden suffering enters in your life. And then you're like, what is this? What is going on? And, and I believe that hindsight's really 2020 when you think of some of the times suffering has entered into your life and you could see just where God was moving and how he was shaping or, or, or what he did through that and how he delivered us through it. And I think that, yeah, God is in those moments. And so um, this was definitely part of, it's been part of my life as we, I've lost several friends tragically. Um, we've lost people uh, and, and suffered through the loss of my, my brother-in-law, Eric. Uh, that was tragic. He died at 41 years old. Um, I mean, there's just things that our family has been with that, that has really shaped um, not only our lives, but our walk with Christ and how he was faithful in those moments. And so uh, more than faithful, it seemed like, you know, because I think in the times that you're suffering, you're just more attentive. You're closer to God. You're calling out to him more. You're you're um, you know, you just get God more, you, more than when you're kind of skating and everything's fine, you know, Um and you're yeah, just more- I, I, I totally think that's the thing that popped out in my mind is that it's, it's not that God's hand isn't there on the good times. It's that you, you're not looking for him. And right. when everything is shaken up, you have, you know, all your idols are removed, all the, the other things that you put your security in. Uh, those things fall apart. And <clears throat> God is all, all that you can look to. And, and you just see him more. Right. And I, I think that's why we learn more just because we don't have other crutches and we just got to depend on God. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And he knows that. Man. I know that I don't know that it so much offends God or, or and, and it's it's not like he inflicts us with suffering so that you can get our attention. But suffering is just part of our existence. Right. Yep. And and I call it an uncomfortable grace. Not that it not that suffering itself is a grace, but but suffering can become this catalyst of experiencing God's grace um, because you, your, your eyes are more open to it, you know? And so, and also even the deliverance in the hand of God in those moments too. And so it becomes these, these circumstances that we would never have chosen for ourselves if we were calling the shots. I mean, <clears throat> if I was in control, then I, everything would be awesome all the time. And, and the angels would win this world series one of these days. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but God teaches us something about about this this about suffering that that the God of grace is found in uncomfortable circumstances and our eyes are open to that and and it's definitely you know even open to non-believers I think you know they're watching us and how we how we respond to the things that are going on around us and so it becomes also a witness too um, and so yeah so I think God uses that big time He's using it now for sure. You mentioned in your book a, a statistic about about suicide, the increase of suicide. Um, it, it's can you talk about that? That's just that's just crazy. Yeah, the I, suicide is it's it's this uh, it's this thing that people think that you know I, I don't know it. Job in here wishes that he was never born, right? And and mm-hmm. that could this. It gets uh, misunderstood that he's thinking that he wants to kill himself. But what he's saying is that I wish I'd never born because I was born to a in a world that includes all this suffering. And so it's just this lament. But the truth is, is that people, when they get into these situations and their suffering is dire, they feel like there's no way out other than to take themselves out of the equation. And one in, f- one in five adults has a mental health condition. And uh, sadly, 41% of those adults with a mental illness don't ever seek treatment 
and and then many of those um the the uh according to the the leading cause of death reports by the cdc suicide is the 10th leading cause of death overall in the united states well wow. and that is stark man it's claiming the lives of over 4500 people or 45,000 people and uh and i i would bet because the numbers aren't out now that that has increased drastically because of the season and the pandemic that we are in um, when yeah. you take away people's livelihoods and you take away their their securities and you take away all those things and you add mental illness to drug abuse or alcohol abuse, um, suicides are going to be definitely on the rise. Yeah. But and then uh, disconnection <clears throat> from community. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. They're, they're lonely. Yeah. All that combined with that. But um, we have to remember that that suicide is a permanent attempt to fix a temporary problem that you know you're not alone <laughs> your pain and your emotions won't last forever uh, you don't have to make a permanent decision for a temporary problem i i you know and get help call someone don't be alone you know call the suicide hotline do something call your pastor get friends i mean that's that's uh, there's no there's that's that's not the way <laughs> it's not yeah. the way out you know so and this is not just for um, just or regular people in, in the in the in the church. I mean, this is this is pastors too. You know, just because yeah. you're a pastor doesn't make you immune to these things. We've had the unfortunate uh, reality that I don't know. Was it? I think about three. It might be more um, pastors um, that we know of. You know, in in our network, uh, yeah. have taken their lives and they left wives and children, young kids behind yeah. and you know, they're preaching and they had the right theology. I mean, they could have, they could have written this book too and have all the right answers, right? They, they yep. probably preached on Job too. And, but they ended up taking their lives. So, you know, I don't know if there's pastors out there that feel, you know, that, that despair, but uh, what, what would you say to them? You know, in my experience, no one considering suicide wants to die. They, they just want relief from the pain and torment that's going on. And, um, and, and you don't have to die to be relieved from that. There's, there's so much treatment. There's so much help. And, um, and I, and I know that, and I even know the guys that we know, know that, that had, that had committed suicide. And, um, but, the only person who knows why they went and took that step is them, right? And God. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. but, but there is relief from the pain and the torment. There is. You just got to take a step of faith and get the help. I think that we, the, the big deal is, is that we need to remove the shame and the stigma from uh, mental illness. That's the big thing. Because especially as pastors, because a lot of us are intellectuals, right? And we don't want to seem weak, especially in the biggest muscle that we think we have, which is our brain. And, um, and, and yet we are, uh, we're, we're, you know, anybody co contemplating suicide is, it, it has some type of mental problem. I mean, and it's okay. If you had um, a heart condition, you wouldn't be ashamed to go see a doctor or a cardiologist. So why, when your brain is broke, do you, are you ashamed of going to see uh, somebody to help you? And, that, uh, that's really interesting because, you know, you, uh, I never heard that before. You said pastors, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on, on, you know, our brains yeah, and our minds, just, you know, knowing <clears throat> stuff, studying the Bible, teaching, and, and, and yeah, that, that's maybe the ultimate sign of, weakness if you're yeah i and can see all, that that brings a lot of shame right if you're struggling with this shame i can't talk to anyone about this right wow right i was um i've been doing some research on on just uh, emotional burnout you know we've been studying at our church uh isaiah 40 talks about even youths grow tired and 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 weary young men stumble and fall and just talking about that that burnout that exhaustion that people have this uh, uh, weariness. And I was looking up, I did some research and um, there, there's some, some 
uh, research that talks about what, what causes burnout. One of it is, is uh, emotional exhaustion and kind of the, the specifically to like the caretaker, like the caretaker syndrome. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what the definition of a emo- emotional exhaustion is. It is the fatigue that comes from caring too much for too long. So that you're caring for people and it, it, it just drains you and you have to hold on because there's all these people depending on you and you're just emotionally, emotionally depleted. And, and, and of course, as being a pastor, you, you know, you can't complain about those things. So you got to push that down. Even your soul is hurt <clears throat> right? and you deny that and you don't show yourself empathy. Um, for for your own struggles yeah and yeah it's it's this cycle man that's just not not healthy it isn't and um and i even write in the book that we're, we're supposed to be a team because we can't bear this on our own but pastors do bear a responsibility to to pull it off every week and to care for everybody and to call make that call and and be by that bedside and, and there's all those things that you can't do right now um i even came to the uh, gosh, it was it was about about two months ago. Uh, we we had problems, technical problems, and we weren't going to get uh, something done at the church, and so we had to change it all up. And, and so I'm coming in on Sunday morning, and I'm pretty anxious already over is this all going to work? And 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 I walked to the pulpit and I started preaching and uh, and. I immediately I started, I, I couldn't breathe. I had a panic attack right there at the end. I, I just, right on the camera, like people were watching me and I have people around me, the staff that was recording it and they thought I was having a heart attack. I just grabbed the, the edges of the pulpit and I just said, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And I've never experienced that before in my life. And it was frightening. I mean, I was in the, I was at the doctor's office the next morning just seeing what is going on with me. And uh, the doctor said that he goes, you're carrying too much right now. You've got too much on your shoulders. Um, you're trying to hold a church together financially. You're trying to care for your people right now. And, and this is, you know, and my doctor who God knows his faith, uh, but he, he's the one that told me the same thing. This isn't yours to bear <laughs> and you need to take a break. And so that's exactly what I did. I took a month off and, and, or four weeks out of the pulpit, I didn't take all that time off, but I just really needed to gather myself and go, man, this isn't all of my burden, you know, and, um, and really got to the point where, where, where I finally think I've experienced some sort of surrender, which is kind of strange, because, because I think I, I've taken like the responsibility of savior, and, savior and comforter and and hope, you know, source of hope and on, on my own, as if that's my burden. And uh, instead of pointing them to the one that can save them, that can bring them hope, you know, in any circumstance. And, and being a pastor for as long as I have been, that sounds like, oh, duh, you know, but yeah. don't really know that really what you're doing until, until you've reached your limits. And at that point, I felt my limit. <laughs> Yeah, and, and 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 I just couldn't go on. It was the strangest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's talk about that. Uh, let's dig in a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I think we all, have, all pastors have some type of savior mentality inside of us somewhere, right? That that we can fix things. And I don't know, man. The problem with being a savior is that there's a cross at the end of the road somewhere, um, yeah. and it's it's hard to to try to do that um uh for for people who are listening and you know you, you hear mike telling a story and he's being a vulnerable but but like like um mike you're like one of the the toughest dudes i know you're like you know part of a biker club like how describe yourself how big are you you are a large human being mike yeah you know six one you know 250 no, I'm you're honest. not 250 you you, lo- you lost something right you were, you're, yeah. you're bigger than two. I was, I was at one point, I was at one point in my life, I was over 300 pounds, but, uh, yeah. and yeah, and I'm, I'm a lot softer now, Tian. I'm not, you're, 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 you're not, not hardcore like you used to, used to be. You don't, you don't wear your leathers, um, and get your no. early out. 
uh, I quit, you know, after Jesus saved me, I quit the gangs, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, that was my life. I mean, I, it was like, um, you know, prior to coming to Christ, I, I carried a gun every day, you know what I mean? It was like, that's just who I was. And, um, you know, dealt drugs, biker gangs, all that stuff. It was just, and I wasn't scared of nothing. You know, um, I wasn't scared to die. I wasn't scared to, to, to fight. I wasn't scared, but yeah, it's just, uh, God, God has changed my heart, right, too. And so um, now um, there's, I am vulnerable and, yeah. um, and I see my limits and, um, and I appreciate them because it, uh, I, well, I appreciate that God didn't take me home that day, <laughs> uh, that he showed me my limits uh, so that I would run to him for, for hope and for strength and, and for balance and, and those things. But, but yeah, so, I mean, so describe I'm, that, that panic attack and it's, um, you're on video. I mean, actually it, good thing you were there in front of people. And because I, I think I, I hear other people, having those experiences and then they, they wouldn't even tell other people they would just hold that in shame right to, uh, because that's a sign of weakness but you, you you yours was done in the most public um forum possible yeah I and could. yeah what'd that do it was it was strange i mean the cool thing is that the community that it was here and that we have is, is a loving and caring community. And uh, that's a beautiful thing to have in the midst of an episode like that. But, um, but yeah, I felt like the strange thing was, is once I caught my breath and settled down, I finished the sermon. Um, I, I, I just really didn't understand what was happening to me at the moment. And, um, but I just, I was, I was speaking really fast um and and i just couldn't suck in air and then all of a sudden all the blood just rushed right out of my head and i thought i was gonna fall over and um i mean i had people going in the back of the sanctuary grabbing the the defibrillator like they were thinking i was getting ready to go down and another guy over here holding water for me and i'm just like just give me a second and and i did i calmed myself down and i just started breathing deeply and slowly and uh, eventually it passed. Um, and then I kind of joked about uh, <laughs> Milt Gilman's coffee that morning because he makes very strong coffee. And that kind of, I'm like, don't ever drink Milt Gilman's coffee before you get up and preach a sermon. You know, everybody kind of laughed. And, and then it, it was, it calmed down and I was able to finish the sermon. But it still concerned me greatly because I felt something physically that I've never felt before in my life. The tightness in my chest, the lack of being able to breathe, the, the loss of, of, I mean, I was dizzy. I couldn't, I, I thought I was going to fall down. If I didn't have the, the table in front of me, I probably would have. And uh, it was frightening, man. So you took a little time off. Yeah. And I'm sure you sought God and asked questions. And like, what, what did God reveal uh, to you? It was just that, that, um, I mean, first I went to a doctor because, um, I trust that God works through doctors too. <laughs> and, um, and, and then, yeah, I got some counsel from just pastors and my elders and, um, and prayer and my wife and, and everybody had just a little bit of hand in it. And, um, you know, my wife was real pivotal in it. She, she's just, she's no, she knows me better than anybody. Right. So she knows I've been bearing the weight of these burdens, um, you know, uh, late nights tossing and turning, you know, thinking about things, what are we going to do now? Um, the constant changes, she was, she was constantly checking in on me and, and I was, like you said, stuffing it down. I'm fine. We're going to be okay. You know, it's just another change. It's just another, this, it's just another, that it's okay. How's, you know, what are you worried about right now? I'm not worried. God's got this, you know, and I'd say that generally, but, but then, then when it really got tested, um, yeah, that's when it led me to that, that panic attack. And so after that, I went to the doctor, the doctor said, I'm stressed and, um, uh, and that I need to, to relax and meditate. He, 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 
he actually told me to meditate. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, then just getting counsel from, from some of the pastor friends of mine and just like, Hey, and being honest, I think that was the biggest thing. I just saying, Hey, I had a full blown panic attack. Um, wow. you know, let me know. Like I've never experienced this before. And so I talked to people who have had that before. And so they're like, yeah, they affirmed it was a panic attack and, and here's what you need to do. And, you know, and so, um, but got, but, but to answer your question even clearer, like what God was saying to me is that, that it's, it's your limits. Um, I'm showing you your limits that, you know, and, and showing you that I'm in control even when you're not. And gosh, that was huge. I wrote about that in the book, um, that, that God, God gives us our limits, you know, shows us our limits and he takes, he, he doesn't leave us in our limits and our own strengths, our limited strengths and our limited abilities, but he, he, he blesses us with these limits so that we would actually depend upon him. And that we'd actually run to him for help, that we'd actually trust him. Like he's, our limits are, are there to, to point us to the fact that we need God. Like, gosh, Dean, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I'm just having these epiphanies, right? Yep. Like, wait a minute. Oh yeah, you're supposed to be dependent on God completely. Like, it just sounds so adolescent, but you know, it's really not put to the test until the fire's turned up. And, um, and it definitely was put to the test. And I'm doing my best still to wrestle with like, God, where am I not trusting you today? And I've felt even since then moments of panic and just going, Oh, what now? You know? And, but not as bad as that first time, of course. And, but I've learned to just pray through it and go, God, I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to surrender it uh, and release it to you. Um, that was one thing I don't know that I was a spiritual discipline of mine, which was release and and dependency upon god which is strange yeah. you know you you mentioned um about bearing the the burdens of other people and it and it wasn't specifically your suffering it was the weight of of carrying other people's suffering you yeah. know like why do we do that why why, why do pastors do that i hope it's because i'm guilty we, i'm guilty too I, I hope it's because we care and we love people right I hope it's not, you know, like self-righteous, you know, pseudo savior type, you know, like you want to be everybody's Superman. Um, I, I would confess that I just care and love people. I do. I really do. And, um, um, and that hurts when people die. It hurts when, uh, I mean, you want to have the prayer that heals the person, not because I want to be their savior. It's because I want to really see them healed. Um, or, you know what I'm saying? I just, I do, I really care about people. And I hope that that is the motive for, for people who like, like myself, like you, um, I know that is you, I know, I know your heart, but uh, I think that's the answer, man. We just, yep. we're shepherds, you know, yep. that's what God has called us to. And, and when one of our flock is hurt or, or, uh, in need that we go after them, right. We, yep. we take care of them. And, but again, we, we must be aware of our limitations so that we're not carrying that full burden. We must rely on the chief shepherd, who is the one that knows everything, that knows what's going on, that is not surprised by, by uh, you know, what, what's happening, that is never caught off guard, who is never worried or blindsided. You know, like, that's how I've been feeling through all this, is nervousness and, and wandering and, and, and blindsided and, and uncertain and, and all of those things. And, yep. um, and I think, you know, yeah, we're, I think we're carrying burdens that really don't belong to us at the same time. They do, right. Because we're the shepherds and, um, yeah. So, but we just have to remember it's like delegated authority, yep. right. It's like, it's like delegated authority. Um, and so I, uh, I was uh, coaching a, a, a group of guys, um, some church planners. I have a cohort that I lead. Um, mm -hmm. We had our meeting yesterday, and I, I was talking about this. We can't, we actually spent half the time not covering the material that we were, you know, just because I asked them one question, how are you doing? And then all of a sudden, half the time was just caring for their soul just because they were they were sharing all these same things, 
you know, and most of them are the only pastors on their staff because their church is just getting started and, you know, they're in core team or they, they just started and they have to carry everyone's burdens. And, and the, the thing that I said to them is, like, OK, you know, the Bible tells you that you have to shepherd the flock of God among you, that that's your job. You need to shepherd them. You got to care for them. You got to be a good shepherd. Right. Mm-hmm. But. Also, the first person that you need to shepherd is is yourself. You need to shepherd your own soul. And sometimes being a shepherd, just like what, you know, uh, Psalm 23, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Yeah. And that the part that jumps out is he makes me like what? Why do you have to make the sheep lie down? Like what yeah. doesn't you know, the sh- like doesn't the sheep know that this is good, that they just want to relax? Like, no, no. The sheep want to run around. The sheep just they don't know when they need to lie down. And that's I think that's part of the problem yeah. is that we don't know when to lie down. We We have to you know, the shepherd has to make us lie down. Now, the crazy thing is. We know to tell people in our churches that, hey, you need to take a break, but we don't allow ourselves the same empathy to right. say that to our own soul. Right. You know, so it, it's it's crazy that. Um, yeah. I mean, you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I mean, I can counsel my way out of all of this. I can exegete my way out of all of this. Right. And I know all of this. I, I've given advice to. Um, you know, people in my church uh, on how to rest, um, how to take a Sabbath. And, but yeah, I agree with it, man. It just, you feel like, I feel like resting is weakness. Like sometimes I feel like not being in control (laughs) and not being able, you know, is weakness and, um, or a sign of weakness. And, and boy, am I, am I so wrong? You know, like, um, I think that I've learned that quite a bit through this season too, is that, um, well, I mean, I, I've been considering a sabbatical, right? And it was funny. I heard someone preach, uh, on a stage that we both, uh, are familiar <laughs> with and he kind of demonized, uh, somebody that said that they were going to take a sabbatical during this season. He's like, what are you talking about, man? There's so much opportunity to serve. What are you going to take a sabbatical? And I took that and I felt guilty because I thought he was right. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? You know? And, and I thought, oh man, sabbatical, that's not a good idea. Like rest is not a good idea uh, during this season. And it was just weird that it got so much in my mind. And, and almost gave me a guilt trip for even thinking about taking a break. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that was even part of part of it, you know, like how the enemy came in through a brother and spoke those words, you know, and maybe I just heard those words in that, in that, in that way. And it, yeah. and it created a false sense of, uh, of pride, or I don't know what it was that, that led me to think, no, nope, no resting right now. You can't rest. This is an yeah. opportunity. This is an opportunity, you know, like, oh, it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I feel that. One of the things I've been, I've been trying to teach my church, uh, we, we just went through the series. Um, I called it, I, you know, uh, I called it how, uh, how to, how to heal your weary soul. And the word heal is a, uh, four, um, letter or four word acronym about this process, about renewing our strength, uh, taken loosely from from Isaiah 40 and you actually what you shared is actually um the the thoughts on on what I I've been trying to help people with so heal the the h stands for honesty and you were talking about hey you just got to be real you just got to say I'm struggling and and you know in Isaiah 40 um in verse I think 27 it says it says you know why do you say Jacob why do you, you know why do you complain O Israel um, uh, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. And, and they were, they were always complaining. They were complaining and their complaints were, were not accurate, but it was honest to how they felt. Yeah. And that's how they felt. They felt ignored and left behind by God, that God didn't keep his promise. Now it wasn't true. You know, they felt abandoned and forgotten by God. That wasn't true, of course, but, but, uh, it was honest. That's how they felt. Right. 
And I think that's one of the problems is that we want to be correct all the time. Um, and we don't, we're just never honest about how, how we really feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's important, man, that if you can't be honest with yourself, number one, or with God, who knows it all already. Right. And, um, I wrote about that in the book. I did a lot of research and, and spent even my own time in, in Job's lament. And man, I think, you know, a large portion of Job's lament in, in chapter three is, is, man, he's saying stuff that, I mean, I'd blush, right? <laughs> he's saying things to God that would, would you, that you're going, is he's, he really saying that? And, and it was, it was just an honest expression of how he was feeling. And, um, and it really opened me up to be honest with God. And, um, and, and I don't think I've ever had a real lament ever until this season. Yeah. Um, going through this and going through that panic attack and going through the book of Job. And I've read the book of Psalms, like the Psalm, the book of Psalms is just unbelievably God opened my eyes to just how David felt so free to, to go, where are you? When is this going to stop? You know, and, and he'd, he'd always land on God, but God, you are good. And I trust you. But, but he was just like, David was one of the most brutally honest people. Job was the most brutally honest people. Uh, and God didn't crush him for that. You know, um, God didn't like wipe him out and condemn him for that. Uh, again, a lot of it wasn't true. And, and we are, we are, uh, short-sighted and, and limited in our understanding of what God's doing, but God is big enough to, to take, to, to handle our feelings. And, um, it's interesting. The book of Job says, and, and all that Job did, he did not sin. Yep. And, and so when you read chapter three of Job, you're like, dude, that looks like sin. <laughs> and, and it really isn't. Um, it's just God allowing you to, to run to him and, and tell him what's on your heart, like a good father would. You did not never turn, he'll, he'll never turn away from us. He'll never condemn us for just sharing and pouring out our heart to him. And I think part of it is because that's an element of healing is to express ourselves and to talk and to communicate about it. Um, you say, you know, your H is about being honest. Um, yep. man, if you can't, if you can't confess what's really going on in your life, you'll just pack it down and tell lies. Yep. You know, and and everything, you know, you can say you're fine and no, you're not. You can you can say everything's good and know it's bad. But you could say it's bad and 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 get it off your chest. And and maybe, you know, that'll be the path to to what leads to your healing and hope. Yep. yep. And um, but if we're just telling ourselves lies all the time, we're never gonna search for the hope that is found in Christ. Yep. That's actually what I wanted to to ask you about is is uh, lament. You have a whole section in the book about lament, and um, half the psalms are psalms of lament. Yeah, they are. And you know, you you you, you have a a section, uh, you know, a guided um, a guided prayer of lament. You know, where you lead. So, what is the role of what is lament? What is the role of lamenting? And you know, what what does that do? Yeah, so it's just a verbal expression of what's uh, really going on in your heart, going on in your heart and going on in your life. And it's a cry. It's, um, it is, uh, it is, uh, I guide people through, it's calling out to the Lord. I mean, I think lament is a, a huge act of faith because not only are you, are you crying out or you complain or it's a, you know, it could be a complaint. It could be, uh, just a, a, an ask it could be a, a lot of things but but it is at, at the at the core it, it's an act of faith because of whom you are lamenting to <laughs> and, and when you can cry out to god you're saying god you, you care about what i am going through you care about what's happening in my life and you want to hear my cries um, and if, if your problems lead you to lament that leads you closer to God, <laughs> that's pretty good, right? So a lament is having a passionate cry of grief or sorrow to feel or to show or express regret or sorrow or something, or to just mourn deeply. 
And so we see that in the Psalms. We see just heartfelt cries from Job and and uh, as, a, as, a, as this expression. I mean, if you look at Job's life, he lost everything. He hit, every one of his children died. Uh, all of his livelihood was gone in one day. How would that make you feel? <clears throat> and right? his friends and his and support his, structure. Yeah, everything. And so he was left with nothing but a wife that wanted him to do exactly what Satan wanted him to do, which was curse God. And and, and so here's here is uh, Job agonizing over what is what has taken place, and and he has the 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 confidence in his relationship with God to really let him know how he feels, and he knew that God wouldn't abandon him. Yeah, when he said it, and he didn't. Yeah, and so so we know that that we learn from Job that this this uh, this this God is a God who who will allow us to just share our hearts, and um, and that in that he won't condemn us, he won't abandon us, he won't turn his back on us. He does listen, and <clears throat> and he does care about what we're going through, and so. So yeah, I, in the book, I, I just lead through some of the, the prayers of lament that I actually prayed and journaled through. Um, and then I help uh, guide people to write their own. Like, like what's your complaint? What, what, what is your cry right now? And, and be, be honest. Just be honest with the Lord. He knows what's going on in your heart right now, and he just wants you to be honest with him. He wants you to cry out to him so that uh, you'll learn that that he is the source, and so I, I <clears throat> when I when I call people to write their own lament, I, I just say, "What's your complaint? What's your lament? Articulate the problem, and ask the Lord for help. Uh, confess the, your trust in Him. Uh, just verbalize your trust in the Lord. Uh, pray for deliverance, whatever that may be. Um, just request God's intervention into the problem, and then give God praise because He's worthy to be praised through it all. And so. Um, that's been a, a huge lesson for me. So you said something that um, is, it's not conventional wisdom. It seems kind of backwards, but I, I fully agree. You you say, you say lament is actually a, a pure act of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that running to God with your complaint is a pure act of faith um, because suffering can make you run away from God. Or suffering could make you run to God. Yeah. And and let's talk about lament as as not doubt or distrust, but actually faith and trust and um Yeah. Yeah. Well let's I think that, that I think that so much so many I'll just speak for myself. I think for a lot long time that I have never really been as dependent as I as I am now upon the Lord. And so I never really would go to him as much as I thought I should, or as much as I had for my needs to be met. And so, so why would you go to God uh, if everything's cool, if everything's comfortable, if everything's, I mean, I mean, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast that, that, that suffering actually, you know, when things are out of my hands, I, I, I finally reach out and say help. And that's what a lament is. It's a, it's an act of faith that, that, that you're at, your your end the end of yourself and the end of this situation and 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 uh and you really can't find your way out of it and so so lament becomes this this place where you're going god i can't do this where do i find relief i mean that was what uh, how can you help me here lord how long are we going to have to be in this how long and and it's real honest questions that that lament lets you ask but it's one of those things that, that I believe increases your faith because it's actually bringing you to God yep. and really being dependent upon him and really trusting in him for deliverance and really trusting in him for guidance and, and direction in, in and through these things. And, and I think that this season more than ever before, I mean, cause let's face it, man, we're pretty comfortable here, man. If I get a couple baptisms a year, <laughs> I'm straight, you know, and you, the, the bills are getting paid. I'm good. Uh, but but at this point, it really we're, I think we're really being tested, hmm. and so so like like really, where is your faith in me? Have you really seen God deliver? 
and and in this um god has been more than faithful through this and, and that's the beautiful thing i think the 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 stigma in the church or at least the enemy would love us to believe that we really don't need to pray out to god with this type of dependence so let's keep them comfortable <laughs> but this has forced us into some uncomfortability and some uncertainty that is driving us for the first time at least speaking for myself desperately to on our knees and calling out to God, I mean, the panic attack for me was was a life changing moment. It was it was almost a life saving moment. It was also a relational building moment with me and God. Because for the first time ever, I was completely out of control physically. And I'm a you know, if you know me, I'm a control freak. I know that. And now where I'm in, I'm put in this situation where my faith is being tested, and my prayers are 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 now deep and i'm yep. really trusting in god and so it is building my faith yep and it, like no other a number of years ago um i was wrestling through a lot of uh yeah a lot of emotional issues um we were caring for my my mom who was sick and you know we're, we we took care of her for for about a year and a half um before she died and she was just sick in the you know and I, it was just an emotional thing because I was, uh, you know, she was out of my life for more than a decade. I felt abandoned and then now, now we're taking care of her and there's all these different emotions and, 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 you know, she, um, and I was going through this grief and lament and all, all this stuff. She passed away and, um, God used it because she came to, to know the Lord and, you know, brought some healing. But during that time, really uh, lament, I was just in that, that spot, um, I, I found I found a book. Did you read that book by Michael Card called A uh, Sacred Sorrow? Yeah. Um, it's about lament. Uh, beautifully written. I mean, that guy. Not only is it deep, it's just beautifully. It's just good, good prose. Man, he's just good at writer. And the thing that he helped me to see is, is actually lament is actually the ultimate sign of your faith. The mm. the ability to come before God and to complain is is saying this is saying, God, mm. I know you. I know you care about me. I know you don't want me in this position. I, I believe you. I believe you have a greater plan, but I don't, you know, and what my experience right now isn't matching up with my, what I believe about you, what I know about you, what you have said about yourself. So yeah. therefore God, why? And it's, it's wrestling in faith, you know, where, where the reality of suffering is, doesn't match up with, the God that you believe in. And so that's where lament comes from. And, mm -hmm. and it's, it's faith because it's like, I don't know why, um, why you would allow this is, it sounds like a weak prayer, but it's actually a deep prayer. God, why, where, why did you allow me to go through it? Because you know, God loves you and you know, God is also, um, feeling that, you yeah. know, well, for you. And the thing that Michael Card says, he, he, he points out in his book, um, is that in every one of the Psalms of Lament, except except for one, it all takes a turn. It, it, it starts off really negative. Uh, Lord, uh, how long, oh, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you let me let my enemies triumph? And then it, and then it takes a turn to say, but God, but I trust in you. And yeah. I will rise up and, and praise your name. And and God shows up inside of the, the lament. And you have this one line in, in your book that I underlined and I copied in my journal because it's a beautiful line. I don't know if you came up with it. I never read it anywhere else. But um, like like this is like Instagram quote worthy uh, <laughs> quotes. You say. The one who suffered for you suffers with you. Yeah. Where'd you yeah. get that? Uh, Jesus, man. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, I believe God gave me that. But um, but that is true. I mean, uh, our suffering should point us to the cross. Right. And to the, the ultimate suffering to which one day will end all suffering. And um, I love the the line in Hebrews where it says God will never leave us or forsake us. Um, Christ even promises that he'll be with us till the end of the age. The Holy Spirit resides in every believer. Um, 
the God is with us in our sufferings. The, 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 the fact that everybody's feeling so lonely right now is true, but, but the, the truth is that no one's alone. No one yeah. suffers alone. The, there, it brought some sense of comfort to know that Milt Gilman had died in, in, in the hospital with no one by his side was never alone. Yep. Uh, the shepherd was there. He was. He yeah. absolutely hundred percent was. And, and, and that's even in that Psalm 23, <clears throat> even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I would not fear because you, 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 you are with me. You're with me. And the one who suffered for you suffers with you. Yeah. And so it's not just the cross. Like we, we just think about the cross as, you know, being gospel centered preachers. We just talk about the cross and what the cross did, but it's not just that one time. I mean, he's there now, you know, like I know, like for my kids, when they're suffering through something, like, even if it's something stupid, like, you know, they get a, um, in an argument with a friend and you know, whatever, they feel pain. It's like they're, I feel, I feel their pain, you know, when they, some, some small problem, I was like, I, I feel their pain because I love them. And the Bible tells us like, if like if you being evil know how to love your kids, how much yeah. more your father in heaven will love you, right? Take care of you. Like he loves us. And that is just so encouraging. I love, I love that line. The one who suffered for you suffers with you. Yeah. Mike, yeah. I, I want to uh, ask for you um, to uh, uh, actually close us by sharing a word of encouragement, a word of exhortation to, to any pastor out there who might be listening, maybe, maybe, you know, many moons from now, um, they find this, this podcast and they're just going through hardship. They feel alone. They feel like, man, they're bearing this, this weight. They don't, you know, the, it, it feels dark. Like, could you just speak directly to them, to, to those pastors who, who might be just struggling word of encouragement, word of blessing. And then at the end, just pray, just uh, close us in prayer. But, but first, give us some words of exhortation. Yeah, I just think, you know, in line with the book of Job, um, God says to Job, I am the creator of all things, Job. So Job gives this just litany of questions. He just lays all these questions. God, where are you? What is going on? And, and he finally responds to Job, and that's what he wants all along. This is what Job was waiting for. He wants answers to all of what's going on. And God doesn't give him those answers. He just simply says, Job, do you understand I've, I've created all this? Do you, do you understand I've put all the stars in the sky? Do you understand that, that, uh, that I am the one who, who, who shut the waters, who created everything? And um, I look back and I think if, you ever, if you've ever diagnosed, if you ever got diagnosed with something and, and you've gone like on a frantic search online, for more information about what's going on with your body, it's because we haven't fully grasped the mystery of suffering and, and, and what its purpose is in our lives. It's, it's kind of ironic that we, we often make suffering so much more difficult because we mistakenly believe that we have to understand everything about it, that we have to fix ourselves, that we need to be perfect or, or look right or feel right or be right. But God has, has not revealed everything to us because he wants us to see our limits. He, he makes us aware of our limitations so that we can run to him. Uh, you know, the one who does know everything. And God says to Job, and he also says to us, I am the one who created everything. You can trust me. And I think, you know, when we grasp this, that uh, it's like the greatest clue to the mystery of suffering because our suffering is meant to put uh, to put our trust in the all-knowing never surprised and never caught off guard never worried never blindsided creator and and when we live in that constant conscious awareness of that reality then we will be able to live a life that i'm now just scratching the surface on to be honest with you of the truest sense of freedom and it's and it's not freedom of suffering it's not freedom of the pains of the world it's not freedom from uh, disease it's 
it's knowing as a child of God that you've been left, you've not been left to your limits of your own strength and your own understanding. It's, it's, it's this truest sense of freedom that comes from surrendering our lives to the care of the one whose understanding spans long before we, our origins and, and beyond our, our own destiny. And, and I guess everything in between. And I hope that will bring us some peace. It has brought me immense peace of late. And so, yeah, so thank, thank you for being vulnerable and honest with just what you've been going through. And, and thank you yeah. for providing this resources, this book that um, will hopefully guide people yeah. through this process of, of suffering. So, Mike, could you close us in prayer and just pray that God will just uh, yeah. bless those people who, who are going through suffering right now? You bet. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are constantly in control. We thank you that none of this has caught you by surprise. And we thank you for your constant provision and, and care. I thank you for the many pastors who will be listening to this that need, like myself, just a reminder of who you are and, and how you love us and how you'll never abandon us. And, and so, God, I just pray for the one who is struggling and, or two or ten right now that, that are just feeling their own limits. Lord, let that, God, be what moves them in the direction of trusting and being dependent upon you even more. God, I thank you for my brother, Tian. I pray that you continue to bless him and his ministry and his family. Um, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.